This is ESPN Radio. Wide open, it's Jamar Chase. Forget about it. Oh, that one was fun. It's a Joe Burrow thing. When you have what he has, this young and this soon in his career, a lot of people want a piece of that. Ah, yes. In a little over 48 hours from now, Super Bowl 56 will be kicking off. But right now, you got Amber Wilson, you got Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We want you to get at us on the Twitter at Chris Candy 9 at AmberW790 because we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the Super Bowl 56 matchup. We got you covered from how these teams got here to the persons under the most pressure. I mean, Amber, there are a ton of storylines going into this game, and I can't wait to cover them all today with our audience. This is it. We're coming down the stretch. It gets real today, Chris. Let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, Amber, we got to start here because – About 10 years ago this time, I wasn't talking about playing in the Super Bowl. I was actually getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. That would be Super Bowl Bowl 46 against the New England Patriots. And beyond just the stuff with the personnel, who's going to be in the game, who's going to be out of the game because of injury, the buildup in the lead-up to the game was probably one of the things that was talked about most with the guys that were on that Giants team that were holdovers from the Super Bowl 42 team. A lot of the core players, like Justin Tuck, like Eli Manning, like OCU Manora, they stressed to the new guys that were on the team about the importance of treating this week unlike any other week that you're going to face, right? Because a lot of players are creatures of habit. We're habitual in that way. We want to know what time practice is. We want to know what time lunch is, what time dinner is, what time I got to lift my weights. And we don't want our routines to change. But Super Bowl week... The entire schedule is different than any other week that you're going to have throughout the course of the season. Amber, I'm going to throw this out there. When do you have a 6.30 kickoff during the NFL season? Does it ever happen? It does not happen. It should be 6.30 on Saturday, uh, which also never happens. But I digress. We're getting the 6.30 kickoff on Sunday. It's highly unusual. So you're right. Both of these teams, no matter the experience level on these teams, are going to be in a completely different routine than they're used to being in. But Chris... It's interesting you talking about this because I've been wondering what I haven't heard anybody talk about in the storyline with this Super Bowl is the experience difference between Matt Stafford and between Joe Burrow. I think you and I both think that ultimately Joe Burrow is a better quarterback, even though it's a much smaller sample size. Fine. But Matt Stafford has a heck of a lot more experience. Of course, he doesn't have experience here in the Super Bowl. So does it matter that he has more experience in the NFL? Absolutely not. I I don't care that he's been in the NFL over a decade and Joe Burrow is only in his second season. None of that matters in terms of being able to process all the feels that you have this week once you get to the Super Bowl site because you're talking about the culmination of all of your athletic achievements and having this one opportunity to compete for the ultimate prize as far as football is concerned. Now, I get it. A lot of people want to talk about being in Canton, Ohio, and how that's the pinnacle of pro football. But outside of that, As an active player, this is it. You want to be able to win a Super Bowl. You want to say that you are part of one of the greatest teams of all time. You were the greatest team that season. And so from an emotional standpoint and from a mentality standpoint, there's nothing that you could have gone through that would really prepare you for all the feels that you're going to experience this week. 
the anxiety, the nervous energy. You got friends and family that are coming to support you that want to pull you in a million different directions because there's so much going on at the Super Bowl site in the week leading up. I mean, just your routine and how you watch film and how you prepare your body. You're in a facility that's foreign to you. This is not your home facility. This is not your same weight room. This is not your same treatment areas. So all of those things are adjustments that players are going to have to get used to. How you get your meals, who's preparing your meals, those little nuanced things are are aspects that most people wouldn't pay attention to but that make all the difference in terms of being able to provide some degree of normalcy as players try to prepare for this game. So to me, the team that handles that, well, not even just handles, the team that embraces the otherness that this week brings, I think is the team that puts themselves in position to adjust to it quicker and have an opportunity to dictate the complexion of this game early. I know you might be surprised by this, but I have not actually myself played professional football. However, (laughs) I've worked with a lot of dudes like you who have. And I will say the one thing I always hear is that they're always creatures of habit, right? And all professional athletes, I think, are regimented people. But particularly when it comes to the NFL, I think it's the most regimented sport. So I could understand how on a Super Bowl week, it would be difficult then to be completely out of that routine, even in terms of the kickoff time like you're saying it does it does make me wonder though then uh, between Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow I brought those guys up obviously neither of them have the Super Bowl experience there are other people though who have the Super Bowl experience including Sean McVay of course the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams he has been here before it didn't work out so well for him the first time here's Sean McVay talking about what he learned from that you look at yourself in the mirror, you take accountability, and then you keep it moving. Uh, you know, I, I think as a competitor, you have to be able to handle those tough moments. And uh, I'll never run away from the fact that I didn't do a good enough job for our team, um, you know, within what I feel like, you know, my role and responsibility is to these guys. I don't think you press, uh, you know, when you do get another opportunity to be in this moment in this stage again. I think you, you look at it as a blessing. You take some of those learning lessons, you apply them, and, and let's go cut it loose and play to the best of our ability, and we'll co- and I'll coach to the best of my ability with our coaches as well. So, Chris, I'll pose this to you then. How much of an advantage do you think it is that Sean McVay has been here before as a head coach on this stage? Well, it's some of, of an advantage because you have a better idea of how you need to lay out the week in order for your players to feel comfortable and get ready to accomplish the task at hand. Now, the advantage that the Rams team has – is that they're going to be in their own facility throughout the course of the entirety of the week. Like they're they're at the same practice facility. They're they're doing their same things. They've got all the accommodations um that they've been accustomed to throughout the course of the year whereas the Cincinnati Bengals who flew in town earlier this week, they're having to adjust to that newness. So I think there is an advantage with that. But lest we not forget Amber, when the Rams were in the Super Bowl in the 2018 season, Zach Taylor the coach for the Cincinnati Bengals was then the quarterback's coach for the Los Angeles Rams. So he's got some insight as to how Sean McVay prepared the first time around, and I'm sure there was some learning for him in terms of what needs to happen, the things that can be done differently in order to make sure your players are put in positions where they can have success. So I think that both of these coaches are going to be invaluable in terms of providing perspective for their teams as they get ready for this big game. So uh, right now you're closing in on, you know, 48 hours before kickoff. And so both of these teams, you know, from a physical standpoint, all of the work has been done. And now it's just about going through the game plan, uh, last minute film study, some of the, some of the different little tips 
that the coordinators are giving their players to try to give them that little edge that you're looking for throughout the course of the game. But that's what's happening right now. It's more mental preparation than anything else, just trying to get your mind right um, so that all of that nervous energy, all of that anxiety that you're feeling can be channeled in a positive direction to accomplish whatever role you have to play in your team trying to have success. Yeah, I would imagine that it's an advantage, like you said, that Zach Taylor has been there to witness how Sean McVay prepares for this, except for my advice to McVay would be maybe don't prepare the same way you prepared last time. There's no (laughs) shame in losing to Belichick, right? Even in a Super Bowl, there ain't no shame in that. Plenty of people have done it. Maybe a little bit more shame in losing to the dude who used to previously be under you on your coaching staff and has never been there before as a head coach. So I do think the pressure ramps up here for Sean McVay. No doubt about it. And there's also got to be a lot of pressure on Les Snead, too, the general manager for the Rams, right? Because this is an unconventional model that they're trying to use in order to win a chip. The Rams hadn't made a first-round draft pick since 2016, and that was Jared Goff, and they won't make another first-round draft pick until 2024. They have mortgaged all of their significant draft capital, especially at the top of the draft, in order to bring over transformative players like Jalen Ramsley, like Matt Stafford. They burned a first-round pick once upon a time on Brandon Cooks. That didn't necessarily work out. But you're talking about them making huge investments, a second-round pick in the middle of this season for Von Miller. Those are significant plays in order for this team to get to this point, but not just to show up at the Super Bowl, but to actually win it. And so that's why I think a lot hinges on the results on Sunday for this Rams team and for the people that are in decision-making positions within this organization. I actually think with less need, the pressure is a little bit less because at least he's already done his job. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? Mm. He's already done his job in terms of bringing in Miller, in terms of bringing in OBJ, in terms of bringing in Stafford and Ramsey and all those other pieces that you just mentioned. He's done as much as he can to build this team and they've gotten to the Super Bowl. So I think from that perspective, he's already done a successful job. Now it's Sean McVay's job to lead his team and Matt Stafford's job to prove that they can get it done. How are the teams going to handle the Super Bowl week? We'll have ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio join us to give us some insight. But first, a word from Indeed. Finding talent can leave you feeling like you need some hidden talent to get it all done. Don't fret. That's why there's Indeed. Just sponsor a job and they'll search through millions of resumes on their site to show you candidates that fit your job description. When you find a candidate you'd like to speak with, Indeed's all-in on hiring platform helps you schedule virtual interviews and connect with applicants right from your employer dashboard. Hiring has never been more streamlined and simple. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Ready right now? Ready right now. You got a job to do. You got a job to go out there and execute and, and try and lead your team to help us win. Ready right now? Matthew Stafford putting up big numbers. I don't see why that would stop. I think the Rams win the Super Bowl. The Rams win the Super Bowl. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. And Amber, right now we've got to go out to the hotline to bring on ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio, good friend of the show. Sal, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? And how are you, Amber? We're doing great, man. We're doing great. And and I know we're getting ready for the Super Bowl. We're talking about a kickoff in less than 72 hours now. And one of the big storylines around this game has been the weather. And we're not used to talking about that with a covered stadium. But this game has the potential to be the warmest at kickoff at 3.30 local time 
out there in L.A., and what are the players on both sides talking about as far as the impact the weather is going to have on this game? We've got to stay hydrated. I've been with the Cincinnati Bengals all week, and Zach Taylor talked about it as soon as the team landed. In fact, uh, he talked about it before they took off from Cincinnati and got here at UCLA. I'm on the UCLA campus. I've been here all week, and they've been practicing at Drake Stadium, and you know that stadium, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when the heat comes and the sun is beating down on you in the middle of the day, and yesterday they were out there at 88 degrees, you know, for guys who are not used to it, it's the kind of temperature you would get in training camp. Uh, it's it's definitely something to watch for sure in this game. It's supposed to be 85 degrees uh, kickoff, and SoFi Stadium does not have air conditioning. It's not a climate-controlled situation. You know, they keep talking on their website about the fact, well, you know, it's open air on both ends, and, you know, that California breeze is supposed to cool it off, but, you know, Key point, got to have a breeze. Sal Pal, I have a hard time wrapping my head around 85 being incredibly hot as a Floridian, but I know it can be a little different when they're down there on the field. So aside from the weather, you've been doing this a long time. I'm interested to get your perspective on this. What do you think is the most interesting storyline coming out of the Super Bowl? You know, I, don't, it's, I have nothing really, you know, super intellectually smart to say that nobody else has said, and that is they got to protect Joe Burrow in this game. I mean, you know, everybody on that line of scrimmage knows the job when you're facing Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and don't forget, don't forget about Gaines. I mean, they, they have strength and size and speed and a ferocity that the Bengals have not faced, and they're going to have to have pass protection that's built in that is adaptable, and once they see what they're up against, they're going to have to basically change what they do in order to stop it. You know, pass protection not only is about the offensive line, it's about scheme and design, and it's certainly about the quarterback. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys on ESPN this week talk about Joe Burrow's ability to slide in the pocket and avoid the rush. But Donald's a different cat, man. Uh, You know, and so is Von Miller. You know, so I, I think that's the number one storyline. I'm not going to get too cute about it. I think they've got to block these guys. And that Joe Burrow's got to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And hopefully, Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, have designed, you know, a passing concept in this game that allows them to work the middle of the field quickly. Talking with ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio on ESPN Radio in Sal. The last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl under Sean McVay, Zach Taylor was the quarterback's coach in that on that Rams staff. And so now the disciple has a chance to go head-to-head with his teacher in Sean McVay. Which coach has the most pressure on them to get a win in this Super Bowl? Chris, I, I got to stop you for a second because I'm on the UCLA campus and a robot just pulled up with six wheels to deliver food to the security guards out in front of the Bengals hotel. Now you don't see that very often where I live. You just don't. I'm, I'm kind of like, and it talks to you while it does it. So California is in the future. The name, of it, the name of the robot is Starship. I'm not making that up. Sounds yeah, you don't see that. You don't see that every day. <laughs> no, you don't see that in Jersey every day, Chris. Nah, not at all. You definitely don't. No, no, no. I think there's more pressure on McVeigh. Right? Obviously. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're at home. It's the best football team money could buy and draft picks could buy. You got all stars on both sides of the ball. You went out and got Matthew Stafford because you wanted to win a Super Bowl. You bring in Odell Beckham Jr. He's lighting it up. You got the offensive player of the year in Cooper Cup. I mean, how much more pressure? And you're home and you're favored. Can't lose the game, Chris, right? Can't lose. So, Sal Powell, you talked about that Rams D-line against that Bengals O-line, and I know that's the most obvious story, I would say, matchup-wise as well. But let's talk for a second about that Rams secondary because that's nothing to sleep on either with Jalen Ramsey. Do you expect him to be keyed up on Jamar Chase most of the time? Is that going to free up T. Higgins? How do you see the, those matchups going? I think it's based on game situation and down in distance. So on the NFL matchup show, uh, which we're going to tape tomorrow at Disneyland with Greg Cosell and Matt Bowen, one of the things that we break down, Amber, and it's a great question, is when will we see Jalen Ramsey lined up over Jamar Chase? So there's probably three instances. One is when Jamar Chase is lined up as the X receiver to Joe Burrow's left as a single receiver to the boundary. That's number one. Number two is on third down in the red zone or in goal line where they'll play man over Jamar Chase but also have help over the top because Raheem Morris plays predominantly zone 68% of the time. They're a zone-heavy team, third most in the league on passing down, 68%. But they know they can't let free release for Higgins and Chase and Boyd in most situations. So that's when I think you'll see Jalen Ramsey matched up on Jamar Chase, but I don't think it'll be just pure one-on-one. I think it'll be jam with a cover shell over the top. Sal, and staying with the X's and O's in this matchup, the Rams defense spends 80% of their time in nickel and dime personnel. So I wanted to ask you, how much of a factor do you see Joe Mixon being in terms of being able to take advantage of some of those defensive back-heavy looks that the Rams' defense is going to throw at the Bengals' offense. Yeah, and that's the problem for the Rams. We saw it against the Chiefs. We saw it against the Bucks. We saw it against uh, certainly against the Niners. Uh, is when they get in nickel and dime, you can run on them. So Mixon's a huge factor. So you'll see Burrow under center a lot on first down with 12 personnel on the field, two tight ends. And you'll see them run Mixon. Mixon had the most runs on first down of any back in the NFL. The problem, Chris, is the volume is there, but not necessarily the production. You know, they're not a great run-blocking team like the Niners. They're just not. They're not a great run-blocking team like the Bucks. You know, the Bucks, Byron Leftwich and, and Clyde Christensen, they'll put the 6XT. They put the extra tackle on the field with two tight ends. So we'd be remiss if we let you get out of here without asking you about the blockbuster trade in the NBA where the 76ers <laughs> sent Ben Simmons to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden. What did you make of the trade? When is James Harden getting on the court? Because <laughs> I want to be there. <laughs> I heard it's not for this. Not, he's not rolling out till next week, maybe. Yeah, I, I but think I want to gonna... see it. I want to see it. I got a lot of friends. You know, I live in the Philly area, and I got a lot of friends with tickets. And I'm already been lining it up, Chris. I'm ready. I'm ready for the and be down low, kick out the Harden three. Okay, we're good. Yeah, that's what we want to see. Oh yeah, and be and be Harden. Points from the, 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We want to see 30 points inside the paint and 25 outside the paint. That's what we want to see every game. No doubt about it. Embiid and Harden in the pick and roll is going to be something to see, especially on March 10th when the Brooklyn Nets come down to Philadelphia oh. to play against the Sixers. I'll be there. I can guarantee <laughs> that. Sal, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for getting us up to speed on Super Bowl hey, Chris, 56. You know we'll talk you to you I soon. You play sometime. You go down low, kick it out to me, see many threes like a hit. Yeah, I, listen, we'll, we can do it. I don't know if it's going to quite look like Harden and Embiid, but we can try it, Sal. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. <laughs> All right, talk to you soon, buddy. All right, thank you. That's Sal Palantonio, one of the best in the business, no doubt about it, getting us set for Super Bowl 56. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next... If Sunday's game comes down to the final drive, which QB would you want leading your team? We'll have the answer for you next. And we also want you to chime in on the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Game on the line. Who you got? Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow. We'll have your calls and our answers next on ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. You are now rolling with the winners. It's Amber Wilson. It's Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Amber, we know in games like this, big games, playoff games, in the Super Bowl, it usually comes down to a handful of plays that decide the outcome. And we're usually talking about a fourth-quarter affair very few times we're talking about blowouts in Super Bowl, although last year we did have a blowout between the Chiefs and the Bucks, and the Bucks happened to be the first team that was hosting the Super Bowl in their home stadium in the Super Bowl era, but I digress. It's usually a very competitive game, and it comes down to the last couple of possessions. So that got us to thinking a little bit. When it comes down to the quarterbacks, if you're down in the game or you've got an opportunity to ice the game, which quarterback in this matchup would you prefer having under center? Is it Matt Stafford or is it Joe Burrow? Well, I think this argument could go either way. Now, on the Matt Stafford side of things, obviously he's the more experienced quarterback, right? And we did just see him do it, so there's that. You mentioned the Bucks; We saw him do it against the Bucks with minutes left there in a game that we thought Tom Brady was going to win. And then we saw him do it against the 49ers in that NFC Championship. So we've seen Matt Stafford do it, and I think we were all nervous while we were witnessing him doing it, but he actually did it, he got it done, and he didn't cough up the ball. So we've witnessed it. He's also a quarterback who's so unbelievably good against the blitz. Now, Chris, you don't want to blitz against either of these quarterbacks, frankly, but Matt Stafford is ridiculous. He completed 94% of his passes against the blitz. What does that mean? That means that Matt Stafford is completely unafraid. That's what that means to me. This dude ain't scared of nothing, no matter what you're throwing at him. So he's also not scared when the clock is ticking down in the final seconds of a game. He's got nerves of steel. Also, Matt Stafford is a much better O-line. So I would throw that into this conversation as well about what quarterback you want the ball, you know, if you had to have one quarterback under center, well, am I going to get the O-line along with the quarterback? Because I do think that makes
takes a difference because it takes a village, and we know it takes a village to win any game, particularly down the stretch. But listen, I'm not sleeping on Joe Burrow either because all of that being said, and we're talking about nerves of steel, I mean, we're talking about with Joe Burrow, a quarterback who's also excellent against the Blitz. We're talking about a quarterback who's been the first quarterback in NFL history to be sacked 50 times or over 50 times in a regular season and make it to a Super Bowl. Like he was sacked nine times against Tennessee and we saw him still go out and win that game. So that dude is also as tough of it as it gets. That dude's also completely unafraid. So he's not going to be scared down the stretch. We could even throw in like the national championship and that collegiate performance that he had back at LSU. Mm -hmm. He's been on the big stage, right? So he's not going to have the nerves and he's gotten it done. And most importantly, and this is why, I will choose Joe Burrow as the answer to your question. Mm. Most importantly, Chris Canty, Burrow just has to get into field goal range because he's got Money Mac, baby. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you. I was right there with you on all the points that you made about Stafford and Joe Burrow, and then you want to make this about Evan McPherson. (laughs) You want to find a way to work Money Mac into every conversation. You want the ball in the hands of the dude who only has to get to field goal range and Money Mac can take it away. And that you listen, you're going to have to eat some of these words about kickers not being human when Money Mac's the one that goes out there and wins that Super Bowl for the Cincinnati Bengals. I said they're barely human, and Money Mac does qualify as barely being human, but he's not a football player. I digress, even though I would say Money Mac has the clear advantage over Matt Gay, the kicker for the Rams. But this is a conversation about Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford, and to the point you made earlier about both quarterbacks against the Blitz, Matt Stafford has the highest QBR in the NFL against the Blitz at 92.3, where Joe Burrow is 7th at 78.0. So both of these guys are pretty good when it comes to dealing with five-plus rushers. I think the difference is going to be how they handle the decision-making when they're faced with looks or disguises that the defensive coordinators try to throw at them post-snap. I think that's where Matt Stafford gets himself into a little more trouble because you mentioned it. Matt Stafford is fearless. He has supreme confidence in his arm talent, and sometimes that leads to him making some questionable decisions. We saw that in the NFC Championship game early in that fourth quarter. He throws a cookie to Kwaski Tart in the middle of the field, a ball that had no business leaving his hands, but he laid it out there. Now he got bailed out because Kwaski Tart dropped the football But if that interception happens, you're talking about the complexion of that fourth quarter looking different, and the Rams might not be able to make it here. But again, Matt Stafford led the league in interceptions for a reason. I think that has to do with his overconfidence sometimes and him trying to do too much. And then when you look on the other side with Joe Burrow and the Bengals, they are third in the NFL in second-half points margin. So what that tells me is even though they sometimes start slow – This is a team that turns it on in the second half, particularly in the third quarter, where they're tops in margin in total points uh, of anybody in the NFL in the third quarter. So that's where I would look for the Cincinnati Bengals to make their move. If they can keep it relatively close, keep it a two-possession game going into halftime, I I don't think that that's a lead where the L.A. Rams can feel comfortable, especially seeing what this Bengals outfit and Joe Burrow has done to the Kansas City Chiefs, not once, but twice over the course of the last six weeks.
So what this comes down to more for you is decision-making. And it is kind of interesting that both you and I feel more confident about the decision-making of the dude who we've watched play NFL football for a season and a half, basically, versus the guy that we've watched play it for 13 seasons. I mean, that is pretty unbelievable that we feel that good about Joe Burrow's decision-making. No doubt about it. That's Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Let's go out to Ben in South Carolina. Ben, you're on with Amber and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio. Chris, thank you for uh, clarifying that. Unless we're talking about Justin Tucker, no no kickers should be mentioned in this contest. Uh, I'm on the fan of uh, Matthew Stafford finally getting getting his ring, what, what he deserves, the the Cooper Cup connection is real, and Odell Beckham is playing out of his mind. And this is from the opinion of a Ravens fan and Flock Nation. No one should be rooting for the Bengals because I will not tolerate the Bengals fans or players thinking that they are kings of the AFC North when clearly Lamar Jackson is going to come back next year, win the North, win the Super Bowl, and uh, that's, that's all I have to say. Hey, listen, man, that, that's a perspective. I hope from your lips to God's ears that that's what happens with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. But going back to this game, I understand why everybody wants to cheer for Matt Stafford because it's been a long road for him to get to this point. He's been in purgatory in Detroit, not really having an opportunity to do a lot of high-level winning. His first year with the Rams, they're going on a magical run. He's 3-0 and in the playoffs, and he's got a chance to win the big game. So we'd like to see it happen for Matt Stafford just, so, just because so much has gone wrong for Matt Stafford throughout the course of his career. But I still don't think that's necessarily going to happen. But we're going to reserve our picks for later on in the show. But coming up next... Was Kevin Durant wrong for not selecting James Harden in the All-Star Draft? We'll have the answers for you. Amber Wilson, Chris Canney, ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Wilson and Chris Canney rocking on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And Amber, last night, I know everybody's focused on the Super Bowl and all the conversations going into Super Bowl weekend, but last night we actually had... The all-star draft where Kevin Durant and LeBron James were responsible for going through and picking their respective teams. Now, it's ironic that both players that are picking teams are hurt. With Kevin Durant, he's physically hurt and not able to play for his team. And then LeBron James has got a lot of hurt feelings because the Lakers didn't do anything at the trade deadline. But I digress. We had an interesting moment where Kevin Durant has an opportunity to choose former teammate James Harden but instead opted to go with Rudy Gobert over James Harden. Here's Kevin Durant explaining his choice and LeBron James trying to figure out how it makes sense. I'm going to need some size for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm going to need some size and um, you know, some defense and <laughs> interior. Yeah. yeah. Especially with Giannis and LeBron James Without playing question. such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that. So I I'm agree. Gonna go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I agree. I agree. That's for me. He hasn't played. Is he healthy? Who's that? James. He hasn't played. Uh, do, he's uh, he's like missed. What happens if he doesn't? Oh, he got traded. He's healthy now. He's missed the last three with a with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> See, and now we know why LeBron carries hey, a clipboard hey, with him to the uh, to the. Hey, drive. hey LeBron. Oh my God. Trust me, right man. now he's rubbing some ice hot on that thing. He's playing the next game. <laughs> no questions. Chuck ain't all the way wrong, Amber. Like, listen, I know there's that phantom hamstring injury, and James Harden did have some hamstring problems last year, 
But something leads me to believe that James Harden is a little bit healthier than he was letting on the last couple of weeks with the Brooklyn Nets. It's amazing how much a tight hammy will loosen up when you like where you're playing basketball. And I have a feeling that's what we're about to see with James Harden. My favorite part about that clip is that KD stays deadpan the whole time, too, that he's breaking it down about how he needs size. And this is why he's choosing Rudy Gobert over James Harden. And LeBron can't keep it together. So LeBron has the clipboard and he keeps putting it in front of his face to hide his face. So I think we've learned that Kevin Durant is a better actor than LeBron James. But when Chuck comes out and says that comment, then even KD ends up smiling because he has to. Then he breaks character a bit because even he had to smile at the notion that all of a sudden James Harden's going to be miraculously healthy because we all know what's about to happen. No doubt about it. James Harden is going to be out there for the 76ers, and he's got to prove himself right with that move that he made, forcing his way not only out of Houston, but forcing his way out of Brooklyn, a team that has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, like those are two of the top 10 offensive players in the NBA. You better make it work in Philadelphia, and everybody is expecting that you're going to help Joel Embiid deliver a title to that that, that city. I'm just saying. But, Amber, we also had Kevin Durant give his thoughts on, uh, on the James Harden trade. Here's what we got. I'm excited for our team. Looking forward to finishing the season out um, with these new groups and these new players and you know, it's uh, playoffs right around the corner, so we got to fast track into, you know, getting getting used to each other. But I'm, I'm excited. You know, I think everybody got what they wanted. I, f- I feel like we got versatile players, so we'll have to figure it out and, and figure out what works for us. But I'm just happy that we got guys that want to be a part of this. That sounds good, Amber. But here's the thing. We've been trying to see whether or not James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant could coexist in the same universe for over a year. And it still didn't work out, and it got so bad to the point where James Harden wanted out. What's to say that Ben Simmons, a mercurial talent in his own right, is going to step in and somehow, some way, they're going to be able to establish enough chemistry in order to win a championship this year? Well, there's nothing to say that. We have no idea what Ben Simmons is going to look like. We haven't seen him play basketball. And we don't know how Ben Simmons is going to be in terms of what's going on with him. The reports are he's going to play right away again. He was stepping away because of mental health issues. So there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of question marks with the Ben Simmons situation. But we do know that Ben Simmons wants to be there. That's what all the reports are saying. That's what Ramona Shelbourne reported yesterday. So he is excited about being in Brooklyn. You heard KD say it there that he's excited to have guys who want to be there. I mean, that is a key element. That was obviously a tiny little shot there at James Harden. It is remarkable to think, though, that Harden wanted to leave KD, right? That the situation got that bad that you want to leave that great of a player in Kevin Durant. Yeah, well, Amber, we got some updated odds from Caesars Sportsbook on the NBA title, and right now, the Suns are co-favorites with the Nets to win the NBA championship. Now, this is a departure because the Nets were the clear favorite yesterday prior to the trade being made. This is the first time this season that the Nets haven't been the sole favorite. So the updated odds, the Suns and the Nets at plus 450. The Warriors checking in at third at plus 475. The Bucks are 7-1. The 76ers 7-1. The Heat are 12-1. The Jazz 16-1. And the Lakers are 20 to 1. I'm not sure. It might as well be 200 to 1 with the Lakers, the way that they're playing. I'm not sure that they can figure it out. Right now, they're in the ninth seed in the Western Conference, and they look like they're poised for the play in game. So, about the only win LeBron James can hope for is a win in the All Star break. That's all I'm saying. But coming up next, which wideout would make the bigger impact in the Super Bowl, Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup? We'll have answers for you, ESPN Radio.